The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. Nourish your mind with a premium digital subscription with the Irish Times and enjoy 12 months free access to the Headspace app. Visit irishtimes.com. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Today I am joined by Pat Leahy, our political editor, because, Pat, we have an Ipsos MRBI poll for our listeners today. Hugh, we do. When was it taken? poll was taken on Friday, Saturday and Sunday amongst... 1,200 voters at 120 sampling points on a face-to-face basis in each constituency. And what does it show? Well, first of all, let's look at party support. No massive changes, uh, but some interesting points to note. So State of the Parties, Fine Gael, 29%. That's no change. The comparison here, by the way, is our last poll in May before the local and European elections. So Fine Gael, 29%. Fianna Fáil, 25%. That's down one. Sinn Féin, 14%. That's down two. Labour, 7%. That's down one. And Independence and others, 26%. That's up four. Delve into the Independence and others vote for a moment and we see... One of the significant movements in this poll, I think, Green Party is at 8%. That's up four. And all the others scattered around one or two percent. So that compares with our poll, which was taken just before the election. Of course, the Greens did remarkably well in that election, though not quite as well. It was predicted by the exit polls. We don't want to get too nerdy here, but there's a sort of direction of travel for the Greens, isn't there, from recent opinion polls through the actual European and local elections. And it seems to be continuing in this poll. Yeah, I think that's right, Hugh. I mean, I think we can assume a certain level of nerdiness on behalf of the listeners, given that this is a politics podcast special about an opinion poll. So uh, so with, with with that caveat having been entered, the Greens at eight today. So the last poll before the locals and Europeans, they were at, uh, I think, 4%. In the locals, they got from memory... 5.6%, I think. Um, as you say correctly, not as well as the exit poll predicted, but still a very good showing in those areas, like particularly in the seats around South Dublin and other urban areas, suburban areas where they would have a good shot at winning seats. They did very well. So you're correct that the direction of travel, and as we say, Every time, and sometimes more than once uh, on each occasion, the thing to look out for is the medium and longer term trends. And I think we are seeing a steady upward trend towards the Greens, and this poll bears it out. And then in among the other parties, is there anything else worth noting in terms of that most of the variations you've described are actually pretty small, they're within the margin of error. So there's probably more helpful to look at them in, in that longer view, which you're, you're saying there. Yeah, I think so. And amongst the smaller parties... National polls are not the best vehicle for their measurement because when you're looking at a whole scatter of groups like Solidarity, People Before Profit, the Social Democrats, Independence for Change, the Independent Alliance, non-party independents, other groups and parties, and they're all at, I mean, apart from the, the, the grouping of non-party independents, which is at 10% today, all of the others are at 1% or 2%. And clearly, if you get 1% or 2%, 
in any given constituency, you're not within an ass's roar of winning a seat. But what those groups do is they have strong candidates in a small number of constituencies. It's just at a national level, they register uh, uh, They register at, at the sort of 1% or 2%, which is within the margin of error. And even then, even when you look at the aggregate of the independents and uh, small, uh, independents and small parties, they go up four points today. But that's not really meaningful in terms of looking at independents because it's an aggregate, uh, an aggregate measure and it's mostly driven by the Greens. So I suppose what is most meaningful is the uh, the eternal horse race of Irish politics between the two largest parties and they've both been hovering between the mid and the high 20s for some time now but the difference between 29 and 25 is quite significant especially if this is really going to be a race to be the largest party and therefore in pole position to form some form of government be it a coalition or some new form of confidence and supply after the next election when it happens. I think so, yeah. Obviously, there will be an awful lot more going on in the next election than just the Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael heavyweight slugfest. But that's what will probably dominate at least the sort of horse race aspects of the uh, of the campaign. And you're right that it, it does matter who wins the largest number of seats because that puts them in pole position for leading the next government, even if they can't muster a dull majority for demanding that the other large parties support them in a confidence and supply uh, uh, confidence and supply arrangement as we have at the moment. Now, there's a number of stages to that particular, uh, uh, you know, to that particular, before we get to that particular denouement. However, who wins the largest number of seats? Who wins the biggest share of the vote? Will be really important between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. And what this poll shows today is that there is, that Fianna Gael maintains a, a, a small lead, but a not an insignificant lead. Now, you talk to Fianna Fallers and they will say, you've got to give us an extra few percent when it comes to uh, to polling day. We tend to under underperform in opinion polls. We tend to underperform our uh, our eventual uh, our eventual and, and that's performance true, in the election. It? it has been true in it was certainly true in the uh, in the last general election. So. Now, just because that happened then doesn't mean it's going to happen again. It doesn't mean it will definitely happen the next time. You have to look at the reasons behind it. And so one of the reasons traditionally behind it has been that people might be reluctant to run into the last election when there was still a high degree of political toxicity attaching itself to Fianna Fáil, much less so now. They've made significant comebacks in in the locals and in the European elections. So that sort of, uh, uh, you know, that, that sort of spiral of silence effect might not be as pronounced as it was. On the other hand, you look at those local and uh, local election results particularly and you see a very strong organisation on the ground. You see them with a good candidate game. You see them, you know, you see where Fianna Gael may be playing defensively in a lot of constituencies mm. where Fianna Fáil will be looking to pick up seats. So my assessment of this uh, for what it's worth is that, you know, within the margin of error, it's pretty much a dead heat between uh, between the two. And be- before we move on, just to look at one other party, because Sinn Féin, uh, the opposite of the Greens, had a terrible election the, la- the last time out. So they might be happy enough with those numbers at the moment. They seem to be stabilised at least, don't they? Sinn Féin down 2% today. OK, that's, in the, that's within the margin of error. They're down uh, from 16% in May to 14% today. You say 14% is what they got in the last general election. So, you know, at least they're holding their own. However, what we've seen in 
repeatedly with Sinn Féin. This is one of their strongest trends in how pre-election polling relates to the actual result, is that we've seen Sinn Féin consistently have polled a lot higher than they uh, actually score in, uh, in elections on polling date. There's a number of reasons that we can essay as explanations for that. One is differential turnout. So Sinn Féin tends to do strongest in those cohorts of the electorate, young males, working class areas, uh, which have historically the weakest turnout. Can I ask you, do pollsters not take that into account? Is an opinion poll not designed to poll people who are likely to vote at the election and to reflect, you know, as much as possible the, what those people think at the, at the time the poll is taken? The, the trickiest bit of polling is getting, seeing how your sample, figuring out how your sample re, ref, is going to reflect the people who actually vote on the day. So, you know, somewhere between 60 and 70% of people uh, of, of, of people who are qualified to vote will actually turn up to cast their ballots. But of course, you're polling 100% of the, um, you're polling 100% of the, of the population. Now, what our pollsters do is they ask people, do they think their vote matters? And there's a number of Did they vote the last time? It's quite a good, like quite a good signifier. Exactly, precisely, yeah. And, uh, but it is an imperfect science and you know we acknowledge that and we have a margin of error of whatever it is 2.8 percent the 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 point about the Sinn Féin uh, the point about the Sinn Féin differential turnout is only one part I think of the reason why polls before elections have in the past and this isn't a theory it's observed fact polls in the past have overestimated the Sinn Féin share of the vote on the day. The other one is that as election campaigns, particularly general election campaigns, proceed, and especially when you get to that last crucial week of a general election campaign in which many voters make up their minds finally how to vote and then, the debate tends to focus on who do you want to be in government and that is uh, a set of questions that that Sinn Féin have historically not uh, featured as well in amongst many voters. Now to move on then, that's all very interesting, but there's another metric, another way of looking at all this and that's the approval of the various party leaders themselves. How does that look? Yeah, well I suppose... Given that we've just, you know, spent <laughs> we spent a considerable amount of time discussing a poll in which, on terms of party support, not an awful lot has has changed. We should turn to these numbers, where actually we do see some quite significant movements. Quite dramatic, and, yeah. And the biggest one is in support for uh, our, our satisfaction rating, the personal satisfaction rating for Taoiseach Leo Varadkar. So again. What do we say? Look at the trend, not at the individual number in a given month. And there's been two trends, really, in uh, Leo Varadkar's personal ratings since he became became Taoiseach, which was back at the start of the summer of 2017. First of all, he had... Uh, uh, he had a, a, an increase in his popularity going from his first rating, I think it was 49, uh, an approval rating of 49%, climbing up the following year uh, in the wake of the December 
2017 agreement of the backstop, and that's a significant point, and we'll come back to it. He went up to 60%. Now, okay, you may say 60% approval. That means 40% of people don't approve. It doesn't quite mean that, but 60% uh, approval rating doesn't sound. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure at home, and indeed, uh, uh, I'd be very glad to get 60% floor, approval rating at home, to be honest. Is, uh, you, have, you have uh, far in excess of 60%, but far, uh, far a Taoiseach to have a 60% approval rating. That's the sort of number that Taoiseach haven't had since Bertie Ahern was in his pomp. And Leo Varadkar climbed suddenly up to that 60% approval rating. And that was in January of 2018, just after the backstop was agreed. But since then, from for, for a year and a half after that, the story was one of constant decline. And and in our last, the last time we measured this in in May, just before the local elections, he was back down to thirty six percent, the sort of approval ratings that is more customary for uh, for a Taoiseach to have. Today, fifteen point jump, back up to fifty one percent. Now, is this a new trend? Too early to say, but it certainly means that the uh, the the trend of inexorable and constant decline, which Faradkar's approval ratings had been on for the last eighteen months, has been abated, and he is back up to a very very healthy fifty one percent today. Now, if I were to hazard a theory to remind our listeners that this poll took place on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. In other words, the, the three days immediately after the meeting on the world between Leo Varadkar and Boris Johnson, where photographs went around the world, there was talks of a potential opening. Um, Leo Varadkar looked very good and statesmanlike and spoke well on that day. Um, it was pretty good pure coup for him in total, wasn't it? For somebody who well, was just about to, uh, the, to face into an opinion poll. Well, indeed, the, the, well, the timing of uh, the poll was certainly fortuitous from uh, Mr. Varadkar's point of view, entirely accidental from our point of view, but um, uh, but but uh, but there you are. I suppose I think, I'm asking, this is not science, this is more like magic, but what, well, true. How, okay, how, so how, how important do you think that is? I think it was significant, right? Because, um, and I'll tell you why I think that in a sec, but it, it, it's important to say that the the data that we have doesn't tell us why the approval rating has gone up. It just measures the approval rating. But I think it is reasonable to um, I think it's reasonable to link the increase in Mr. Varadkar's uh, rating today, dramatic increase in Mr. Varadkar's rating today, with the events over the weekend for uh, uh, for a couple of reasons. One is another finding in the poll, which tells us that uh, there is significant approval amongst uh, amongst voters for the way the government is handling Brexit. Sixty percent of people. Uh, say they approve of the government's handing of Brexit against 26% who say they disapprove. Uh, Secondly, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we've seen this happen before. The last time there was a big surge in uh, Leo Varadkar's approval ratings was in the wake of that agreement of the backstop in December 2017, which you may recall himself and Simon Coveney came out basking in triumph, said, oh, this is one of the good days we get in politics. Simon Coveney said it was bulletproof or maybe it was a Taoiseach uh, uh, who said that. Now, we subsequently know that that isn't quite uh, how things turned out. But I think the same sort of dynamic of people seeing the Taoiseach on, if not the world stage, certainly the international or European stage, 
and handling Brexit in a fashion that they approve of and they reward him with these very high satisfaction ratings. Well, then let me ask you something about that. If there is then a demonstrable Brexit halo effect, let's uh, let's call it that, that comes in the wake of, of events of this sort. There's been quite a lot of talk over the course of the, the last weekend about how if there were to be a Brexit deal, and we're not focusing on that for once on, the, on, on this podcast, but if there were to be one um, this month, that Fine Gael should cut and run to the country immediately and have a snap election by the end of November. Do you think that inside Fine Gael, looking at these numbers, that would be a position that, that would be held? Yes, I do. Uh, I think that if there is a deal, and as we speak today, that possibly looks a little less likely maybe than it did uh, on on Friday when we last spoke about it. But if there is a deal done, and I wrote about this in a column on Saturday, I think that the pressure from within Fine Gael to go to the country on the back of a Brexit boost will be very significant. I'm not sure that the Taoiseach would would go for it. It requires him, after all, to gamble his office at a time when he doesn't have to. But to the question that would be asked in Fine Gael, which is not, is this a great time to go for an election, but rather, is this a better time to go for an election than any of the available alternatives, it seems to me that this poll would strengthen the case of those arguing for uh, for an early election. That may come to nothing. There may not be a deal. But certainly, uh, I think amongst the people in Fine Gael who want to see an early election, they will use this poll as evidence of the wisdom of that strategy. I will add one, I think, important caveat to that which is for all the increase in Mr. Vradker's satisfaction and the satisfaction of his government, which also jumps by 11 points uh, today, for all the approval of the voters about his handling of Brexit and his handling of the economy, which is also scoring significant approval ratings in today's poll. Fine Gael's vote share hasn't moved an inch today. There were 29% in, uh, in, in the poll before the local European elections. They're 29% today. And I think that is a signpost for a campaign which may begin with a sort of a warm glow around the Taoiseach and Simon Coveney if a uh, Brexit deal is, uh, is achieved. But election campaigns and, and, and the decisive parts of election campaigns tend not to be about the past. They tend to be about the future. So if we're right about all this... What it does, I think, is it gives Fine Gael a platform from which to speak to voters during an election campaign, but it doesn't win an election on its own, not by a long shot. And what of Fianna Fáil in all that? How, is, how, how are their numbers holding up? How's Mial Martin holding up? What would be the best outcome of the next few months for Fianna Fáil in the run-up to this election? Should it be in November? Should it be early next year? Or should it be early next summer? Well, just like Mr. Varadkar, um, I think Michal Martin faces significant pressure from his own party for a general election. Though one thing all Fianna Fáilers uh, agree about is that they are heartily sick of confidence and supply and even heartily sicker 
uh, even more heartily sicker of watching Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael ministers um, uh, swanking around on the back of Fianna Fáil's dull support. However, one of the things that Michal Martin has been most careful about in his patient and cautious leadership has been jumping into a general election campaign at a time which didn't suit him. So he has maintained for some time they're ready for an election campaign, but he has been very cautious about going into it. And you may be sure on that binary theory of Irish politics as between the big two, if Fine Gael fancies a November election as being advantageous to it, there will be voices urging caution in, uh, in Fianna Fáil. But that'll be the Taoiseach's call if he wants to have one. In terms of Fianna Fáil's numbers today... No great change. They're down a point with, the, you know, 25% within the margin of error. So, you know, nothing to see there. But Michal Martin's Governor, up a bit. Michal, Michal Martin's uh, personal ratings are up slightly from 35% the last time we measured this, which we me- which was in March rather than in, uh, in May when it comes to the opposition leaders, up to 38% uh, today. So a reasonably respectable approval rating, but, uh, but certainly nothing like uh, the heights that Mr. Varadkar has. Has, uh, has has jumped to today. So I think uh, I, I I think Fianna Fáil will certainly not be agitating for an election on the back of these figures. But the sense I get from talking to people in the party is that if one is called, uh, they certainly will relish the fight. Finally, Pat, isn't there a kind of a weird symmetry here that on both sides of the IRC now you have governments in, in Ireland, you have a government which they, this is the end of confidence and supply essentially in, in terms of the way it was agreed and that this was the final budget that was was agreed as part of the process. So essentially we have a sort of a quasi-zombie government here waiting to be put out of its misery and we have exactly the same thing across the water in the Irish Sea. And on both sides you have opposition parties sort of engaging in a slow bicycle race so that the, the, the election, the inevitable election when it comes, will come at a better time for them or the best time of their choosing. And the calculation of what that is keeps changing from week to week, all depending on what happens with Brexit. Yes and no. Uh, so I think the comparison only goes so far because if you look at British politics, which of course has been turned upside down in recent years, it is still uh, on a very you know, polarised, bifurcated model where the choice is, you know, to to, to simplify and dramatise it is between, you know, Singapore or the North Atlantic and uh, as I think David Williams was saying on, 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 uh, on Friday to us are... The uh, our Corbyn's Venezuelan Republic. I had a few listeners, by the way, and who were on to me about that, and they objected to to that comparison. They said it's more like Swedish social democracy. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I, I think there is a quite a direct comparison with here, where you have where the, the the parties have got closer together. Certainly, the two main parties have got closer together in policy terms, if anything. People would say they've never been terribly far uh, apart, but um, uh, as opposed to in the UK, where there is a much greater divergence between the two main parties uh, in terms of policy. I mean, Corbyn's UK in five years' time is a drastically different place to Boris Johnson's United Kingdom is Michal Martin's Ireland all that different to Leo Varadkar's Ireland? Hard to see it. Pat, thanks for coming in.
And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks to our producer, Declan. And remember that you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Acast or whatever your preferred podcast provider might be. And you can always find us also at irishtimes.com slash podcasts. You can mail me at hlinahan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter. Until the next time, thanks for listening. It's time to focus on what matters. Nourish your mind with Headspace and the Irish Times. Headspace connects you to yourself. The Irish Times connects you to the truth. Headspace gives you a healthy perspective. The Irish Times gives you a wider perspective. Take a premium digital subscription with the Irish Times and enjoy 12 months free access to the Headspace app. Pause. Breathe. Focus. Subscribe at irishtimes.com. Terms and conditions apply.